All right, everybody. Welcome to Derek's Discussions, episode 20 with Molly White. First of all, how are you doing today, Molly? I am great. How are you today? You know, I'm ready to get back home sooner rather than later. I'm still, you know. You're not in... home yet? No, I have classes on Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, that sucks. I... Yeah, it does. But I get home, probably get home, let's say, I want to say Tuesday night. So I should be in an okay shape, but it still kind of sucks. That sucks. Do you get any time off like the week after or no? Uh, no. <laughs> I just have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off, and that's it. That's so terrible. Yeah. It's all right. It's, all right. it's okay. Well, anyways, um, obviously, you're at Penn State, um, you know, pursuing sports media. So what got you into, you know, sports media? Um, I've, like, always been an athlete, so it just seemed like a right – path to take I wanted to do kinesiology but I did it and then realized I hated it so I was like ah sports media seems fun so and then is there like a reason as to like why sports media over other you know you know topics obviously you mentioned like being a sports fan but is there any like other reason besides that to pursue sports media it's just a fun environment to be in like I don't want to be at a desk job from like nine to five every day um I feel like jobs in sports in general regardless of like what aspect it always changes I don't know just keeps it interesting I guess and then obviously you know you were in the class uh from SK graduating in the year 2020 the COVID the COVID year as everybody would like to call it how was that experience like not having a normal you know, second half of your senior year? Um, it definitely sucked in the time being, but I don't know. You live and you learn. I mean, we got most of senior year, which was fine. I feel bad for the like year grade because you guys missed like everything up until graduation and prom and all that. So, so you I would mean, say it wasn't super fun, but so you would say that my grade had it worse than yours? Um, in some parts, yes. Like senior year, you guys, I mean, didn't those restrictions lift like kind of like April, March, April, like they lifted April, like April, but then there was still like other restrictions regarding prom. So they kind of pushed back prom a little bit. So then there could be more people. And then obviously there was less people that went to prom just because they kept pushing back the date like three times. So it was just utter, utter chaos at the end of the school year. But obviously you mentioned, you know, COVID not having, you know, graduation. Did COVID quarantine, did that have any, uh, like, insight on why you wanted to pursue, you know, sports media or anything like that at all or no? Um, Honestly, a little bit because this wasn't necessarily like all of quarantine because, you know, like professional sports and stuff were shut down. Um, no one was playing. But towards, like, the second half of the summer, um, I got pretty sick. I thought I had COVID. I didn't. But um, I started watching baseball just because I got, like, so bored. I was like, oh, what's on right now that isn't a show I've watched 14 times already? Um, So, yeah, I started watching baseball, and I got, like, super into it for some weird reason. And I don't know. It kind of became, like, 
a, not a personality trait, but like, you know, going to college freshman year, it's pretty awkward, like trying to meet new people, like having to talk to people like you don't really know. And like talking about baseball, people in Pennsylvania, talking about the Phillies, Yankees, Red Sox, all that kind of was a good common ground to find that made it a little bit easier to transition and meeting people. So I think that was cool. Um, I don't know, like I was able to like make friends by like, oh, I want to go watch like the playoff games, like whatever. So it was cool. Um, other than that, I kind of always wanted to work in sports. But like going into co- before quarantine, it was in like a physical therapy type way. And just after being in college, taking all those classes made me hate it. So just kind of went out on a win limb I don't even know what the word is but I was like eh, I'll figure it out I'll get a degree of some sorts and go from there so now what would you say the significance of sports are in your life hmm pretty pretty significant I mean I don't know I don't really remember a time existing when I didn't have like practices tournaments like so much going on with athletics and obviously now I'm out of high school, but I'm on the club lacrosse team at Penn State, which is pretty fun. So I still get to play and do what I like enjoy doing. And I got to intern with the Waves with you this summer. That was lit. And I interned with the football team now. I'm a recruiting intern. So that's pretty fun. Um, I write and broadcast for a lot of the athletics games at Penn State, which is also pretty fun. So Sports are pretty prevalent in my life because I mean that's what I want to go into. So it's good and work. Then, but and then you mentioned like being from you know you know interning with the waves this summer and basically being from Rhode Island. How do you think being from Rhode Island impacts like you as in the fact of you know pursuing sports as in the fact of you know in Rhode Island there's not a lot of there's let's be honest there's not a lot of sports teams to cover. There's just not a lot necessarily really going on. So you know, I find it interesting to hear people from Rhode Island pursuing sports just like myself. How did the fact of Rhode Island not really having, not that they didn't have sports, but not like the prevalence of sports is lower on their total pool. Like, how would you say the state of Rhode Island impacted you in a way of pursuing sports? Oh, I mean, we're lucky to be close to Boston, I guess. So like we get, I mean, most people from around here, besides probably just us two, like the Yankees, but everyone else likes the Red Sox, Patriots, all that. So I think that has something to do with it, cause especially because we grew up in, like, the Patriots dynasty. Um, so even for those people who, like, didn't really pay attention to sports growing up, I definitely didn't, like, it's not professional sports. Um, it, like, gave us something to, like, root for and, like, have some skin in the game or, like, I don't know, being from New England, obviously everyone's a Patriots fan, whatever, especially when they're going to the Super Bowl runs. So that kind of like exposed us all to sports, whether we liked it or not. And I think if we grew up in like Colorado or something random, like it would be a lot different because they don't have that kind of atmosphere that we do. I think like just New England in general has a stronger sports perspective than other areas, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I think we're all just pretty exposed to it more than like other random places and as far as like working and interning like Rhode Island doesn't have a law they used to have the Paw Sox they just moved so now we officially have like nothing 
which is cool. Um, so it's kind of tough, like probably for us applying for the internships around here. It's either the waves, the goals, or we're moving out of state for the summer. Um, so it's like, there's not much to pick from, but also since Rhode Island is so small, it makes networking so much easier because like everyone knows someone who knows someone. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you like, I don't know, it's like a friend of a parent or like an old coach's like cohort, like something. So I guess that kind of makes it a little bit better if you're familiar with people like in not the industry because Rhode Island doesn't have any sports industries, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Island FC is now the real uh, only club. Rhode Island FC, I don't know if you heard this, it's coming up in 2023. Uh, it's going to be the soccer, some soccer team. It's either 2023 or 2025. Some soccer team, minor league affiliate in the, like UE. I don't even know. I just saw this article that said Rhode Island FC is coming to Rhode Island. It's interesting to see after the Paw Sox leave. Now you have, you know, Rhode Island FC. And let's be honest, soccer is not really. Everybody says, oh, you got the, you know, top five sports. And people say soccer. I, I'm not a huge soccer guy, so I wouldn't really, you know, consider that. But that's an interesting fact of Rhode Island FC coming, you know, to the Rhode Island to Rhode Island to be a, you know, minor league soccer team. But how would you say sports have affected you as a person? Um, I'm a, like a big advocate for sports, um, for like kids' development in general. I've taken a few site classes at school and they've even kind of highlighted it like whether it's sports or not being involved in like team building leadership roles as a kid like really helps your development your success later in life so I'm a big advocate for that I kind of see how it plays out like with certain different like personality types different people whether they were involved in like team sports or not kind of shows in their personality and how they work in group projects how they kind of take on life, I guess. So that's why, I mean, I think it's, what was the question? Anyways, I'll move on to the, to the final <laughs> question of part one. Um, part what do you one. say, what do you say is the significance of uh, South Kingstown as a part of your life? Um, God. The town itself? Yeah, the, the town itself. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I like the location. It's cool growing up by the beach. That's a big part of it. <laughs> Didn't have the best experience with the school or sports scene here. So I did, in fact, leave. <laughs> uh, I ended up going to LaSalle, which in hindsight, looking back, I'm glad I didn't have a good experience here because my life would be very different if I didn't go there. Um, like in eighth grade, when I, I was at Curtis Corner, I graduated from eighth grade. I was doing like soccer, basketball, and softball. I graduated from high school doing like field hockey, gymnastics, lacrosse, and track. So like completely different people, completely different like opportunities, I guess. Um, I don't know. That, that definitely shaped who I was having to go outside of my comfort zone at like 14, having to meet all new people, adapt to a new environment. Um, so that helped me grow a lot as a person. And that honestly probably gave me the, not to say the courage, but the comfortability, I guess, to go out of state for college. Cause I've always been kind of like, 
not to say shy, but definitely a homebody. Um, but Penn State's given me like really good opportunities to pursue a career in like sports, sports media. I still don't even know what I want to do. So there's that. But um, I don't know, kind of helped me realize the whole 360 I did with my uh, major situation. But like, I'm grateful that I got to be at a place where like I could comfortably switch and ha- still have the same opportunities that I would have with anything else. So I think that all kind of got me here. Kind of cliche, but. All right. Now part two, just talking sports. I love it. We're going to start off with college <laughs> football and obviously, you know, going being at Penn State, being involved with the football team at Penn State. First of all, you know, they're ranked 11th in the country, which people, you know, think is a bad year for Penn State. It seems like they've kind of been in that range. If They've had two, three losses every single year. Do you think, you know, with the future of Drew Aller as the quarterback in the few, in the next coming years, that Penn State will make the next leap and try to get into the college football playoff? Well, that's – I think they're going to be a lot better. They're going to be much stronger as a team. Playoff is – that's – it's a ballsy statement. Well, it's going to be is 12 there... teams soon. Right now they're ranked 11th. Oh. Oh, then absolutely. I thought you meant like the four. No, no, no. They're not making the four because of Ohio State. Well, Ohio State has Stroud. Well, hold up. If you look at the Big Ten, Ohio State has Stroud. He's going to be leaving. Michigan, everybody says Michigan's great. I don't – I'm not a big Michigan supporter at all, but I need to stretch the imagination. So when you look at it (laughs) that way, Penn State has – I'm not saying they're going to – go to the playoff but they have a chance to win the big 10 if if ohio state can't find their quarterback and michigan is just blah what do you think yeah i think i mean i don't really know who michigan and ohio state have as backups i know both their starters now are like very very good obviously cj stroud heisman contender don't remind me um I don't know. I don't really know how their backup situation's looking because, like, give us last year, we had Sean Clifford, who, meh, but once we got a backup in, like, our entire team fell apart. So if Michigan and Ohio State are anything like that, which I doubt Ohio State would be because they're Ohio State. They just lost Justin Fields, and they got an even better quarterback with C.J. Stroud. Arguably, loose, loose terminology there, but they had no issue picking up where they left off with him. And they went to, oh my God, I think they went to a national championship with him, but I think it was Justin Fields, right? They went to the national championship with, well, a while ago, they went to the national championship with, you know, when they had three quarterbacks, like a while ago when they beat Bama in the national championship with um, JT Barrett and that, and Cardell Jones, that crew. And then later on, they, when they went to the national championship, that was with Fields. 2021? Yeah, that was with that was uh, Boston, I think yeah. 2020 was with Fields. I was Justin Fields. Uh, and then I and then when they were with CJ Stroud, they went to the Rose Bowl, I think, the year before, not last year, but the year before, and destroyed the team offensively. So moving on to that point, you do you think CJ Stroud or Justin Fields is a better quarterback? Oof. That's tough because everyone thinks Justin Fields fell off in the NFL. I just don't think he has anything to work with. 
So it obviously makes him look terrible. His numbers, the first like six, seven games of the year were like God awful. Like don't pay him a single thing until he proves himself. But their O-line's terrible. Who is he working with? No one. So I think he's really good. I think he did really well at Ohio State. Like when he had that team to work with, that showed a lot more of his talent and his ability because Ohio State gets a top five draft class every single season. Um, And he had a coach that was working more around his skill set and coordinating an offense around what he can do and what he's good at. Um, I don't think the Bears have gotten there with him yet. I don't think their head coach is great. Um, But he, the last few weeks, he's been lighting it up. So it's tough to tell to compare quarterbacks because anyone can be a good college quarterback. But once they get to the NFL and they're up against these big guys, you know, how well do they hold their own? I think Justin Fields is kind of coming into his own. Um, It's not going to be perfect right away. He's not going to have like a Joe Burrow breakout season. But I think once they get a few more draft picks, maybe get some trades, I think he will be like 10 times better than CJ Stroud would be in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see the two of them playing at the same level again next year. Definitely not the same team, but I don't know. I'm going to take Justin Fields just because I think I like the way he played better at Ohio State. I think that was like peak Ohio State back in like 2020. Obviously, they went to the championship. They did a lot of good things. Um, I don't know. I think Ohio State's been looking a little sloppy this year. Like they are undefeated. Can't take that away from them, but you saw how they played. Did you watch the Ohio State Northeast Northwestern game? Uh yeah I did and then I wa- and then this today they played Ohio Ohio State played Maryland and in the first half it was pretty brutal um in Michigan both teams if you look at Ohio State and Michigan both teams are vulnerable this week Michigan mm-hmm. barely pulled off against Illinois Ohio State you know pulled away at the end against Maryland I don't know I'm not too fond of either team I think when you're looking at C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields if you're talking about a better pure passer I think it's no doubt CJ Stroud's a better pure passer I think Justin Fields is a better athlete if you're talking about better quarterback it's kind of like who do you want to me it's touch and go but I I honestly think if Justin Fields wasn't at Ohio State I think he would have been a better quarterback like at Penn State or at or at you know another school that's bigger just not Ohio State because I don't think they they cared too much about Justin Fields as a runner and they didn't develop him as a passer. That's one concern that Fields has had over the course of his career. That's, that's kind of the biggest concern for me with Fields, but I think, I think Penn state is in a decent shot looking forward forward because of Ohio state, their quarterback situation is kind of iffy. Obviously they're going to get recruits. That's no doubt about it. People love the Michigan quarterbacks and JJ McCarthy and Cade McNamara. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan. I'm just, I think they're more of stopgap quarterbacks where they're durable, kind of like a Stetson Bennett where they're doing fine. Don't get me wrong. But if you have a five-star elite quarterback, that's kind of the biggest question. Now moving on, you know, college football playoff is coming kind of around the corner. Uh, Georgia is obviously going to be in. I think everybody kind of knows that unless if Georgia falls. And I think even if they fall to LSU, they'll still be in. Ohio State, Michigan. The winner of that will be in most likely as long as they win the Big Ten championship. But the real question is, 
let's just say Ohio State beats Michigan, do you see Michigan making the top four in the college football playoff with one loss to Ohio State, showing vulnerability during this season? I don't – I think – I honestly think the Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be a Michigan win. I hate to say. We hate Michigan, but I think – I think Michigan will pull it off. Um, with that, I think it's going to be one of the two in the three spot. Because obviously, like you said, it's going to be Georgia. Georgia's going to win. No, no, you're no. Georgia's going to be one. The winner of that's going to be two. Two, and then Three's what's the TCU. third lock? Third, it would be TCU. Question mark if they win against Iowa State, or if they win the, or if they win out. Or Tennessee could be in there. LSU could be in there. USC. I mean, there's no lock at three right now because of TCU could lose. Tennessee is – I think Tennessee's in there, but I don't know if they'll I, be three or four. I'm thinking it's going to be TCU, Tennessee. Out of okay. the teams that are in the race right now, I think they both have the strongest, most well-rounded teams. Most, like, playoff contender could hold their own against Alabama, could hold their own against either Ohio State or Michigan. Um, interesting take. I actually take back what I said. I still think Michigan's going to win against Ohio State, but I think Ohio State would be a better team for to go up against the Georgia, Tennessee, or TCU. Mm-hmm. I, I see think Michigan what you're saying. Might them in next weekend at least. Um, my I think I'm saying top four. Don't quote me on the Michigan Ohio State because I'm impartial. But I'm going to say Georgia, Tennessee, LSU. Not LSU, TCU. God. TCU. Okay. Tennessee, Tennessee. I'm a bandwagon, I have to say. I wanted to go to Tennessee so bad before I decided on Penn State. Um, I got to see the Tennessee-Bama game this year. That was crazy. Uh, Storm the field. It was great. I just think they just look too good. I don't think – I know they fell to Georgia. That was a bad game. Hennon Hooker didn't have a good game. Jalen Hyatt didn't have a good game. But one bad game doesn't make you a bad team. And I think the way they've been blowing out teams all season, they should easily have a lock in that in that playoff. I say bracket, but it's literally four teams. So but TCU yeah, looks really good. Yeah, I think TCU is uh honestly, I look at this playoff and there's not a lot of teams I love. You look at the Tennessee Georgia game, they lost by 14 points. That's not that's not something to be too concerned about. Um, if right. you're Tennessee or if you're the playoff committee, honestly, I'm hoping for chaos. I'm hoping Georgia wins out. I think Georgia's a lock no matter what, pretty much. Ohio State, Michigan, I really don't care who wins. I want both teams to lose, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. And then whoever wins that game, I want to lose in the Big Ten championship. I want TCU to lose. I want Tennessee to lose. I want LSU to lose. I want. I think USC is a team that if they win out, now this is a huge if, if they beat UCLA, they beat Notre Dame, and they win in the Pac-12 championship, I think they should be in. Now, do I think USC is going to do that? No, I think they're going to lose all two games. I think they're going to lose to UCLA tonight. I think they're going to lose to Notre Dame. You can I, say all you want about Notre Dame and Notre Dame's whatnot, a good team. but they have three losses. I'm not saying they're a good team. And I get it, the travel all the way to South Carolina. But if you look at these running backs, Estime, Diggs, Tyree, 
I mean, USC's defense is not going to handle it. uh, Caleb Williams, I think, is overrated. They don't have Trey Dye at running back. It just doesn't seem like USC can really get anything going with so many question marks. But one team I want to see make the playoff, and this is what I'm hoping for, absolute chaos in the top. I want to see North Carolina make the playoff. I I love Drake May at quarterback. I think he is an absolute beast. I think if you're talking about Josh Downs, one of the most underrated wide receivers in this, you know, class, if I'm the New York Giants, which, you know, hopefully maybe I will be at some point in time, I would draft Josh. You are the New York Giants. I am the pride of the New York Giants. I think Downs is the guy you get in the late first round. I love his, you know, catch radius. He's just a great, great wide receiver. Honestly, you look at these teams, nobody really wows me. Georgia, I see a question mark all, all over the for- field. Right. Quarterback, I don't know. Stetson Bennett's fine, but I he think he's not getting be, drafted. He's not getting, well, I don't know if he's not getting drafted, but it'll be like a fourth round pick, fifth round pick, late round pick. You know, the question mark there, their run game is all right. To me, the Big Ten, everybody says how good it is every year. I find it to be a little bit lackluster this year, if I'm being honest with you. Okay. What are your thoughts on the on the on the Big Ten this year compared to others? Um I I think it's it's hard to say because obviously I'm a Penn State fan and I you know I want I want us to be really good, but the truth of the matter is we are not. We are very average fragile team not in an injury sense in like a one bad play one loss can determine our season which is like really pathetic I think that has a lot to do with Sean Clifford I think he's a really mental player so it's kind of hard to tell um I think it's a lot more even this year than it was in the last two years I think the playing field it's like it really could be anyone's game at any point in time I think there is a lot of talent but I think talent can go to waste if the rest of the team isn't at that level they kind of stall like you look at Maryland right Mm -hmm. Maryland is like constantly beat up in the Big Ten you gotta respect them they hold their own but they just are never a threat Mm -hmm. and they have to his brother at quarterback the Alabama transfer and I think I think if he maybe didn't stick at Alabama but when end up going Pac-12, you know, a lesser SEC, maybe even ACC, I think he would look a lot better. I just think he's kind of stalled right now because how good can you get when you're not working with people at your level? And that's what people struggle with, I think, when making decisions for schools because he obviously didn't see playing time at Alabama. You're a freshman. You're not going to see playing time at the best school in the country for football. Uh, I think he got frustrated. He had a lot of pressure on himself being to his little brother. And he uh, went to Maryland where he's a star. Don't get me wrong. It's when they take the field, it's him that you're watching. It's not the receivers, not the running backs. But I think that kind of screwed him over. And we see that at a lot of schools because people would rather be the star at their school than get better with all the talent around you. And there's not enough talent in the Big Ten for these people to be really thriving, I think in like NFL careers. So I agree with the, a little bit lackluster. I think they're good players. They play good football, but it's tough when those are like the key four or five years of training that you need 
when going into a career in that sport where you're not being exposed to that high level of talent and you're just getting your ass beat when you get to the league so it's like meh there's some good players there's not great teams Mm -hmm. and I think when you talk about Tua's brother I think you know you can say go to the Big Ten I think going to the Big Ten wasn't a terrible decision I think Maryland was a terrible decision I think if you look at other teams in the Big Ten West I think you're not going to the East because you're not going to start there or you're just going to be a bottom feeder. I look at teams, you could say Minnesota, but they got Tanner Morgan. You could have said Wisconsin. They have question marks. There's teams, Illinois, that's a team possibly. You know, there's teams out there that I think they might be middle of the road, but they have the chance to elevate. Uh, Maryland is not one of those teams. They're middle of the road consistently. Same thing with Rutgers. And I think one reason Penn State is not doing that well this year I think a huge guy who I wish stayed at uh, Penn State because I think their run game is not very good. I think Noah Kane. I get it. He's at LSU. He's not getting that many touches. But when you saw him at Penn State, in my opinion, I think he was a great back. I think he was perfect for the offense. I think he's kind of an underrated guy because he's at LSU and so much of the focus is on their quarterback and Jaden Daniels. But I think I think there's so many teams that have so much potential I just think recruiting is tough nowadays with everything going on, NIL, everything like that. But I think the transfer portal is just something where teams don't know how to use it. And it frustrates me because if you're a team like Maryland, you get to his brother in the transfer portal. Okay. You got to recruit number one and you got to add to that. They had a chance, in my opinion, with to his brother to be, you know, a chance. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten West because right. it's not happening, but a chance to be better. Like, it just seems like so many teams are just average, and I'm sick and tired of it. I like what Minnesota did with P.J. Fleck being the coach. It seems like they're actually in the right direction. I lo- I'm a huge P.J. Fleck guy. My only concern for him is can he win the Big Ten West consistently, number one, and number two, does he have a chance to – you know, go to a New Year's Six or make the expanded college football playoff with 12 teams. And that's my biggest question mark. No, I definitely agree with that. I think it's too competitive of a conference to really count on one player to bring you to that success. And at that point, as head coach, you do need to like figure out a way to work with what you have and be smarter than the typical game plan that you would normally run against a Big Ten competitor and when you have strong weapons like that you can't just be letting it go to waste and yeah I don't know I think there's potential with all these teams like you said Illinois like they've they've got a chance to like I don't know teams like that you gotta outsmart basically the other teams you're working against if you want a chance and you gotta kind of know what who you're working with like you said like when you're run you've a run heavy quarterback you gotta focus more on like how you're gonna have receivers and how you're gonna train them to be better at throwing and not just utilize their one asset they have in running and same like the opposite like if they're so- more likely to throw and they're better at that you need to train them to work otherwise or you need to get like a really strong running back core around them if you can't count on your quarterback to do that so like I feel like that's kind of the one thing that's missing where it's like you're getting really good kids right but like what are you doing with that and that's where they kind of burn out especially in the big 10 it's kind of if you're going to go coach college, you're going to want to get an SEC job, whether it's head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, like stuff like that, where I think they need 
maybe I'm biased to this because we have James Franklin and hopefully no one from my school sees this, but <laughs> at least anyone that hired me in the first place. But I think you need people who are willing to go outside of their comfort zone and make those risks to potentially like elevate their game and like that level of football they're playing at instead of just running a by the book offense. I know personally speaking, we run a very by the book offense and it's kind of, it wins against the teams that aren't as strong, but when we come up against like Ohio state, Michigan, even in the Auburn game, we kind of ran into some issues where we were getting shut down because we're not taking risks. And I think you need coaches that have a good knowledge and are willing to kind of fail a little bit shuffle around, see what's working and what's not working and roll with it. So I think that's what the middle tiers are kind of working with, which sucks. But once it figures it out, like you can't count out Maryland, you can't count out Wisconsin, you can't count out Illinois. And that goes for like Pac-12 ACC teams too as well. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting you say play calling because, you know, I'm at Marist. Uh, We've had the head coach here for 30 years. He has not changed his offensive playbook at all in all 30 years, which is, you know, disappointing, but it is what it is. It's kind of what we expect here um, at my school. But moving on, what are your thoughts on the change from going to four, you know, teams in the college football playoff to 12? I honestly, I really like it. Um, Probably biased because I'm a Big Ten school and we usually only get one team in there if we're lucky other than that it's the occasional Clemson rarely like a UNC kind of going in there but the rest of it's SEC dominated which as they should be they're extremely competitive conference they get the best picks usually out of there but I think when you're playing that high level of football like you should mix it up and kind of see because I think teams like Ohio State Michigan can hold their own against Tennessee TCU and like if you're going to do a 12 team playoff bracket you have the chance to have these schools kind of see each other and it's not just going to be like an easy one two win you know like it would be more interesting and I think there would be a lot more upsets and people kind of realize because you're mixing a bunch of different styles of football you could say like SEC they're all pretty generally similar like they're all powerhouses and they're all just trying to beat each other up to the death um pack 12 is completely different from like the big 10 like it's just it's all really different and it'd be interesting to see how they compare to each other and most people now aren't focused on like after one loss teams are gonna be like all right we're out of the playoff contention but like now it's about a bowl game instead of being like okay like one loss isn't killing us we can still make it to the 12 team playoff bracket and we got to look at our other competitors who are potentially going to be in there like that could honestly make every team better if they know they're going against different styles of play, different kinds of coaches, all that. And I think it'll, it'll just make them smarter going into the NFL. I think it'll, it'll be better. I think there's gonna be more upsets and we're going to see more teams in like the final four in the championship game that you wouldn't expect to see just because they've seen one, two losses throughout the season. Like that, that shouldn't determine their availability because on any team, any given day, any of those teams could beat each other. It's not like one is 10 times better than the other, you know? So I think it's, it's more of a fair style and it'll, I think give teams more to work with more to work for. We're not just going to see the Georgia 
Alabama LSU kind of Clemson cycle repeating itself every year. Um, do you think 12 is too big when you're talking about these players playing more games? I understand the, you know, value of upsets. Uh, my personal opinion about this is I like where four is at. I understand you got to expand from a revenue perspective. Personally, I would have gone to six or eight. I wouldn't have gone to 12. I think 12 is too many. Although 12 is an interesting thing, like slot wise, because 12 now opens the door for a, you know, non-power five school uh, highest ranking seed to make the playoff. If you don't have, if you have it at the eight, top eight, you're probably not going to have that non-power five school, you know, in the top eight. But what are your thoughts on, you know, just the number 12, not necessarily the surrounding, but having it be 12 versus six, eight, whatever it is, like, what's the, well, like, why would you like it? Like, why, what's your opinion on 12 in general? Honestly, I haven't really thought about like the debate between like 12 versus 10 or eight or even six. I think six is too little. I think eight and 10 would be valid. It would just kind of differ depending on how they're going to schedule that. And I think, honestly, that's a good point. 12 would mean a lot of, a lot more weeks of play. And that can be kind of detrimental for the kids who are looking to go to the draft, all that. So I think that could be a lot. It could be kind of chaotic trying to figure out the seating. Cause once you get past, the first four you know that are like looking for that fourth third and fourth spot like we said earlier um there's gonna be a lot of like 10 and two teams there's gonna be a lot of 11 and one so then it kind of would get more confusing and like how are you going to break down well these 10 teams are all 10 and two and how are we going to break it down and what if there's like a nine and three fluke about like all that so it could get chaotic it can get really political political but they're in the sports world political um yeah that could be tough I think they definitely need to expand the playoff bracket I'm not opposed to that but 12 could be a lot thinking of the logistics because that would yeah. incorporate buys would it not uh it it probably would and then another thing with 12 is when you do 12 what about the other bowl games uh let's say a team like we've seen over the past couple of years, we've seen Penn State players, we've seen LSU players, we've seen, you know, players going to the draft who, you know, basically don't make it to the playoff and don't even make it to a New Year's Six game, or even if they do make it to New Year's Six, they're sitting out. And I don't like to see star players sitting out in bowl games. I think it's a little weak. Um, however, I understand uh, from a revenue perspective of, hey, if I get hurt in this, you know, rinky dink bowl game i can lose millions of dollars i get that but i mean you go to a school for a reason you're not just you know the expectation for most athletes when they're going to a college is not hey i'm going to penn state michigan lsu whatever it is to go to the nfl the likelihood of every single player going to the nfl is slim However, obviously there are athletes, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Justin Fields that expected, you know, to get to the NFL. I just don't think the normal athlete expected to get to the NFL. And I think it's personally, I think it's, I think the reason they're doing 12 is because they don't want to see people sit out. And I'm not sure if going to 12 really 
does that except for the top 12. I think you might see more people sit out because of a team that's 13, 14, 15. Well, you're not in the playoffs. So what's the point of, you know, playing some stupid bowl game? And that's kind of, that's kind of my opinion. I love college football. I think at the end of the day, everything transfer portal NIL at some point, it's going to be done. Everything's going to be done. We're going to understand why everything it is, it is the way it is. I think at the end of the day, money's the biggest factor in all of this. Right. Especially now with NILs. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now moving on to the NFL, a lot of teams on the rise that most people didn't expect. You look at teams like just down the list, uh, Seattle Seahawks are a huge name. No one expected them to be six and four with Geno Smith, the NFC South. No one's really a surprise. It's just kind of a surprise that the conference as a whole is crap. Then you look at the NFC North, the Vikings, people say are a surprise. I think they're a little bit of a surprise. I don't think they're much of a surprise just because of Justin Jefferson and the Packers are terrible this year. Uh, Then you look at the NFC East. That is the biggest surprise to me. I, uh, the commanders are five and five. And to me, that's a surprise. People don't, you know, talk about that being a surprise. That's a surprise. Cowboys six and three, not much of a surprise. They're always the Cowboys. They'll probably fail in the playoffs like every year. Uh, The Eagles eight and one Jalen hurts seems to be actually a quarterback right now. I was not a fan of Jalen hurts but it seems like he's doing something well. And then my, uh, my New York football giants seven and two, if I was talking about this at the beginning before the season even started and my giants said seven wins at the end of the season, I would say, okay, that's pretty good. Seven wins at the end of the season. They're seven and two right now. And if you look at their schedule for the rest of the year, it's pretty bad. It is, I mean, you got the you. I mean, you got the Lions. I mean, if you lose that, that's terrible. You got the Cowboys. Okay, you know it's fifty fifty matchup. Commanders. The Commanders are playing well. Could be tough. Eagles. You probably lose. Commanders again. Vikings. Colts. Eagles. I mean, I guess it's not that bad of a schedule. It just seems interesting to see how the Giants are seven and two. Uh, what are your thoughts so far, just on the NFC and kind of the surprise teams? like the NFC East doing really well, you know, uh, other teams doing well and the NFC South really not doing well at all. Honestly, I think the NFC is like the most surprising, like over the AFC, like there, that's pretty, I mean, there's a few like randoms, but for the most part, that's like expected, I would say like for the, at least the AFC, Mm -hmm. but NFC, like, I mean, bears and lions usually, you know, very mid they pull off some games which i do appreciate but meh nfc south absolute shit show honestly falcons going into the season like looked pretty good like it's like don't count them out of the playoffs they're not going to be like the most winning team but you know like they'll squeeze in there um they look absolutely terrible and i kind of love it the bucks no surprise at the top of the division but five and five (laughs) they had like five straight weeks of terrible god-awful football and like i want to support tom brady as a patriots guy but after mm. after the whole divorce drama like everything going on around him like i i'm a little bit preying on his downfall so seeing them lose those games seeing them lose to the panthers especially like 25 to 3 <laughs> highlight of my semester i would say and just watching him oh freak out he's 
he's maturing backwards, which is lovely to see. Um, like you said, Vikings. I mean, I'm a little bit more surprised just because it's Kirk Cousins. Like they have Justin Jefferson, they have some of those guys, but it's still at the end of the day, it's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like he's he's never a you know standout quarterback, but he's gotten the job done. So good for him. Packers falling terrible. God, I live for it. I hate Aaron Rodgers. And I don't hate him as a quarterback, but I think the way that after each loss, he just trolls his team. And it's like, yeah, I could have done something better, but my team really didn't step up today. Like, you don't, you're supposed to be the leader and no one likes you. So I don't, I don't know. Then losing Amari Rogers. That his name that I just freak out. Well, there is an Amari Rogers who's a punt returner, but I think you were alluding to Devontae Adams. Oh my God. The wide receiver. But there is, there is an Amari Rogers who uh, did play for the Packers. Yeah, he just from, left. From um, Clemson. And he, I don't know where he's at now, but I think you're alluding to Devontae Adams. That's of, what I meant. Because I was thinking the Rogers Rogers, because everyone was like, oh my. Okay. Anyhow, yeah, they lost big. That sucks. I don't know. It's just kind of it's random. And I think any of these teams could beat each other, which is the interesting part. Yeah, I think. When you talk about the Vikings, I don't think it's – I think, honestly, the biggest surprise of the Vikings is that Dalvin Cook is still healthy. That, to me, is the biggest surprise because I've seen year 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 in and year out, Cook has been hurt. He's healthy. I think – I'm not a – I think Kirk Cousins is maybe one of the most average quarterbacks that yeah. I've seen in my entire life, and I and I find it so funny why people crap on him, and it's like he's not bad. He's just not good. He's like literally the definition of a stopgap quarterback, and he's getting paid so much money. But honestly, I look at this NFC East, and I'm like thinking to myself, if you look at any of those teams in the NFC East, they would be leading the NFC South. And you talk about how you expected the Falcons to be good. I didn't expect the Falcons to be good. I think four and six is kind of – now. I'm I'm actually surprised that the Falcons are as good as they are. I think the Falcons might actually win that division. Uh, the only question mark is what is going on with Tom Brady. I love to see Tom Brady fail. I've loved to see him fail year and year. Even when he was with the Patriots, obviously he didn't fail. But those Super Bowl memories of the Giants beating the Patriots, just they just they just warm my heart. They're so great. Um, but what are your thoughts as a whole on just on the NFC East? Because I feel like that's the biggest surprise when you're yeah. talking about the NFC. I go to school in Pennsylvania, so I, I hate that the Eagles are so good right now because I don't hear the end of it. Uh, I have to respect them. They went from, like, even just looking at last year, like, they had some wins. They didn't look great. You know, they didn't go far. Like, I just, I don't know what they did in the offseason, but good for them because they just are, like, unstoppable except for that Commanders game last week. But up until then, they were looking very good. Giants, that's still – I don't get it. Um, you have Saquon, love him, Penn State guy. A lot of respect to him. Surprised he's still healthy. Speaking of, um, other than that, like I feel – it's just – I didn't expect the Giants to be bad, but they don't have enough big names to where I thought they were going to be this good. I don't think Daniel Jones is good. I think if you're talking about average quarterbacks, I think we'll throw Daniel Jones in the conversation. I think he he gets enough done to where they can have that 7-2 record. But 
I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're, uh, I don't think he's that great, but uh, I'll stay away from that talk because I have Mac Jones, so I can't say much. Um, Cowboys six and three, like you said, no surprise. They're a good team though. Like every time they're up against someone, it's not going to be an easy win, easy loss. Mm-hmm. Like they will hold their own. I respect them, but they, this is, it's every year. So it's not like, a, oh, the Cowboys went good this year. It's like the Cowboys and a Cowboy their way through the season and call it a day. Commanders, I love hate relationship. So irrelevant. I kind of support them this year. See, I hate Carson Wentz. Okay, good. I think he's a great guy, like good guy Carson Wentz, but I think he just needs to retire. <laughs> retire? He's like, like 28. Right. But he he had that he had the peak of his career winning the Super Bowl where the Eagles beat the Patriots as the backup. Everyone was freaking out, like, oh my God, Carson Wentz. One good game doesn't make you a great player. After that, the city of Philadelphia just hated him. He got bullied out of Philly, pretty much. He just kind of been a little scrappy guy. Just, you know, he's very under the radar, which I respect. But it looks like every time he's on the field, he would just rather not be. Like, okay, that's fair. he just seems very uncomfortable, very, like, nervous whenever he gets the ball almost. Because I think he's good being – he's, like, content being an average quarterback. He doesn't want to – be too good with his high expectations because that's what happened last time then he got bullied um he doesn't want to suck so bad to where everyone's just talking terribly about him so i think being injured is kind of good for him and good for them because taylor heineke is the man i he's just a spaz like that there's like no way to describe him other than him he's just a spaz and he's doing a really good job he is the only quarterback to help their team beat the eagles he's he's just random but i love it and i think he brings a good energy onto the field like when he's there everyone's like fired up ready to go and i don't know i like them i think if it was taylor heineke and Jahan dotson sad he's out on injury but i think if it was them two out there it would be a different game for them so hopefully carson doesn't come back anytime soon i think the eagles what's really turned around is aj brown and you know with Devonte smith now being the second i think that that's significant i think you look at the running game i think miles sanders is doing much better i think their defense is doing better you add ndamukong suit to that for the postseason that's something i look at when you're talking about the commanders uh I, I just think they need a new quarterback as a whole don't get me wrong i think heineke's all right i think he's good i don't think he's great i think he's kind of in that realm where he's not average He's not good. He's not bad. I wouldn't really consider him average, but I don't think he's anything too special. I think he's kind of like the, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple of years ago where you have that great career run at one year and then you kind of fall off. I think that's kind of what it's at. New York Giants, to me, you look at this team, they're seven and two. If you look at their actual schedule, who they've played, what the score is, this is a team that could be two and seven right now based on, okay, you beat the, Titans by one, beat the Panthers by three, lose the Cowboys by seven, beat the Bears by eight, beat the uh, Packers by five, beat the Ravens by four. I mean, just going on and on and on. It's every single time they're playing a close game. That concerns me in the long run. But honestly, I'm not too concerned. They're seven and two. Daniel Jones has the same birthday as me. I'm riding with Daniel Jones for now. He's got this is this is my opinion on Jones. I think you're kind of right. I think he's all right. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's bad. 
I wouldn't really consider him average. I think he's kind of like Heineke in the sense that he he's just kind of, eh. He's just, eh. He's not average. He's just, eh. I think you give him a two- or three-year deal, uh, $10 million a year. Just keep him around for more years. I think same thing with Saquon. Don't give Saquon a huge deal just because of he's a running back. You don't want to give him too much money. I don't know. Saquon, I don't know how he's going to age either, with especially with his injury, injury past. I think the Giants are in such a great shape that I think in a couple years you continue to keep these guys around for semi-cheap deals, like re- I'll say reasonable deals, and you build around. I think the major key for the New York Giants is they have to, they have to re-sign Julian Love. He is the leader of that defense. He is pretty much the reason that the Giants are 7-2 and two right now. Pretty much every single game you look at the stats, he's leading in tackles as a safety. Like, I mean, come on. You just resign this guy out of Notre Dame. To me, I, I I love him. I think love is pretty much the key to the Giants' successful so far, especially with Wink Martin, Martindale. You know, pretty much his, his literally go-to defense is just blitz. Like, blitz, full-on blitz. So you need safeties to play in coverage. Now you, now you go on to the AFC. Now, before we go into the AFC, I just want to say this. New York Jets... Everybody was like, okay, the New York Jets, they're the New York Jets. I right. said, I don't remember oh, what episode this was, but I said, look out. The New York Jets are going to be good this year. I think with all the shenanigans with Zach Wilson in the offseason, I think that was the reason that the Jets are doing well. All the shenanigans with Zach Wilson, I think somehow, some way, elevated his play. I think that's a huge reason. I think you look at the AFC West Raiders. Oh, I have a friend that's a Raiders fan. God bless. And it's just like, dude, I I know you love your Raiders, but Josh McDaniels should not be a head coach. Uh, I got, I got other friends that are Broncos fans. It's like, okay, Russell Wilson was good. Now he's not like, what's the reason that he's not good this year. It's just the aura, you know. Don't tell me Broncos country, let's ride. That's just stupid. The <laughs> head coach lose every single game. Exactly. The head coach Hackett's not good. The Chargers, they're five and four. It seems like they're not. Nothing's going right for the Chargers. I look at the AFC West just starting out. To me, it's a disappointment from pretty much all those teams except for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, as always. I wouldn't say as always. I mean. The Chargers were good last year. The Raiders have been good. The Broncos seem like they say that they're always one quarterback away. I, I don't know. It To me, the Broncos need something. I they think, need Drew Locke. You think they need Drew Locke? I will take him any day of the week that's, over Russell Wilson. That's outrageous. Absolutely not. That is outrageous. See, the, the point you brought up about the Jets – where you're like, everything that happened in the offseason with Zach Wilson, it just kind of builds, like, the fan base, the team. Everyone just loves him because of who he is. <laughs> and it's just, like, this tiny guy, you're like, he literally looks like the most unathletic person you'll ever lay your eyes on. And then he just goes out and, like, does things. And you're like, holy shit, like, he's actually, like, a good quarterback. I think Drew, Drew Locke has the same appeal. I think when you're spending all this money on Russell Wilson, you're like – expecting him to come in, be the veteran guy for your team, be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then he doesn't. It's like, how can you even be a fan of your franchise when, like, he's doing so poorly? Like, if I, if that was me and they brought in, like, a veteran quarterback 
to kind of shape my team and he's just being one an absolute goof two losing all the time three like not even losing respectfully just just losing just being the laughing stock of the nfl i would be like i don't even want to watch them anymore like give me someone that is scrappy that's young that's promising that can kind of light a fire under the team because right now everyone hates russell wilson that's there's like no team energy camaraderie anything going on there right now because i think everyone just hates him see here's the thing and this is what i'll give i'll kind of not not i'll give russell wilson kind of a little bit of a lean here the denver broncos first wanted to go after aaron Rodgers. they failed aaron Rodgers basically is staying with the packers and that's kind of what it is also, I was reading a report, I think it was today or the other day, Russell Wilson is using his Seattle Seahawks audibles. So nobody knows what the play is. So like, let's say it's a shotgun, you know, supposed to be, you know, streaks. Okay, he's going to be audible to, uh, let's just say, at halfback, halfback slant or something like that. Nobody knows what the audible is because he's doing the Seattle Seahawks language. And I think that's a huge, that's huge. And I think he's not used to Hackett's term, terminology. I don't, I think there's just something going on. You look at Broncos, the Denver Broncos, they have receivers, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. They don't have that number one. I think they're both solid receivers too. I think it's kind of a similar situation with the Giants where they don't have a number one, but the Giants are winning because they have Saquon, the Broncos lost Javante Williams, that's a huge loss. They haven't re- really been able to do anything. I I look at two teams that to me are very similar. Um, I look at the Denver Broncos and the in- Indianapolis Colts. I find those teams to be very similar. Um, defensively, they're good. They're both good defenses. Uh, obviously, the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb, which we'll get into later on. And I think both defenses are good. They both have. I mean, the Colt, the Broncos have a better, you know receiving game than the Colts do. The Colts have a better running game, better offensive line, but they both they both say all the time that they're a quarterback away. I don't think it's just that they're a quarterback away. I think they need energy. I love using this word. I think they need spunk. They just need something to be going on because it just seems like they're not getting anything going. AFC South, I'm kind of disappointed in. I'm a huge, not that I'm a huge fan of the Colts, I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Taylor, beautiful young man, great guy, just an absolute beast running the football. They need a quarterback. They need a receiver. They pretty much need an entire offense besides offensive line and a quarterback. Jeff Saturday as their coach to me is just (laughs) shocking in a nutshell. I love that. Go ahead. So you loved Jeff Saturday (laughs) as their head coach for the Indianapolis Colts interim-wise. Honestly? I don't know him. I don't know much about him at all. I don't know him personally, obviously. I just think I think that's something that kind of added some life to their team. Like okay. they need they need a little bit of momentum. They need kind of some something that's gonna not like unite them, but like people are gonna start being like, oh my god, the Colts, like they just got Jeff Saturday, who last weekend was sitting on his couch watching football, drinking a beer, and now he's just – he just won his first NFL game. Like, in the last two weeks, he's one and one. He lost one team with a high school football te- – one game with a high school football team, and then he just beat the Raiders. Raiders? Saints? Yeah, yeah, he beat the Raiders. Raiders. He beat the Raiders, oh. who he trashed on Twitter. 
which when was he awesome. was at ESPN, which is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. The only question, though, with Jeff Saturday is this kind of bades the entire question about minority coaches in the NFL. Uh, the Colts had head coaches on staff and John Fox, Gus Bradley. They also had other minority candidates. I can't remember the exact positions there. And they didn't hire a minority coach. That's kind of a concern, I guess, if you look at it from the NFL perspective. I think that's – I think at the end of the day, that's a concern with pretty much every single team. Uh, now you look at the AFC. AFC North, to me, is not a surprise. I think Deshaun Watson, that is a huge question mark. Okay. Uh, I think Deshaun – this is a hot take. I think Deshaun Watson – once he comes back, I'm not saying he's going to regain his form when he was with the Houston Texans. I think he's going to be 80% of what he was, which is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I think I'm not saying that the Cleveland Browns are going to make a run at the playoffs. I think they'll be a lot closer than experts think. I think Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the future for the Cleveland Browns. I really do. I I agree. I right now they have Jacoby Brissett, and I think he's average. He's doing okay. He's a solid backup. He gets the job done. He's not crazy. He's not gunning for that starting spot, but you could have had much worse to fill in for you. You know, like he's, he's a solid fill in. What? Like Baker Mayfield. God, don't even, not him. But like we saw with the Dolphins, like they're obviously such a good team. They're undefeated with their starting quarterback. But you put the second and third string in, they were losing like crazy games by a lot. Like you need a solid backup, and that's promising with Jacoby Brissett. So that's good. And then Deshaun Watson comes back against Texans, the Bengals. He comes back. I think it's week thirteen. I want to say uh, he still got more games because of that suspension with the in- entire yeah. know, massage uh, issues that were were going on. But right. now moving on to the uh, still the AFC North. Uh, Lamar Jackson's still looking for a contract. Uh, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, do you just pay that man? Do you look elsewhere? Do you trade him? Like, what do you like? What are you thinking? Personally, I'm not a huge Lamar Jackson guy. I think he's gonna get hurt. I think he's too short. Not that he's too short. He's too. He's too skinny. He's not a quarterback build. I think that's a huge concern. I think you can trade him and you know find your quarterback. I, I'm also, I've never been a big Lamar Jackson guy for me. I don't know what it is. I just think he gives me Cam Newton vibes and I hated Cam Newton. So hold up. You hated Cam Newton as in the Cam Newton with the Patriots or the Cam Newton yes. with the, with the Panthers. With because, the Patriots. Okay. Because now he's like a receiver, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he, well, he's out of league. Cam Newton is, but he went Cam, into the Panthers as a receiver. Cam Newton as was a quarterback with the Panthers. Cam Newton is prime with the Panthers, in my opinion, was probably a top five quarterback. He's probably the build that I would like Cam Newton as a quarterback um, for the Panthers in his prime. That's kind of the guy who I kind of looked at. Lamar Jackson, to me, is just, I don't know what to say. There's just something about him that he just doesn't seem like he's going to last in this league. I think you trade him. I think he's going to ask for too much money. I don't think he's a Mahomes. I don't think he's a Herbert. I don't think he's a Burrow. I don't even think he's a top five quarterback in the league right now. I think he's probably like six or seven. I get it. You can say, oh, that's ridiculous. But now moving on to your New England Patriots. You know, the Bailey Zap, Mac Jones situation. 
It's a huge question mark. Both quarterbacks, let's be honest, they're both kind of, I don't know what to say. They're just not confident. <laughs> they're just very, they're, they're just young. I don't think they know what they're doing in New England. I think Belichick needs an offensive coordinator. I think Belichick is getting old. I think he needs to retire sooner than later. I think he's just exhausted. I think at the end of the day, he's exhausted. He wants to win. And I think he he's wants a veteran quarterback. Yeah, he's fr- he's frustrated. So what are your thoughts on the Bailey Zapp, Mac Jones situation? So uh, I really liked Mac Jones. There was a lot of hype with him out of the draft. So I was excited we got him because couldn't get worse than what we had with Cam Newton. I despised him, as I said. Um, I think it was it was promising that, you know, the whole appeal around him was that he's so similar to Tom Brady. He's got similar build. He's slow. He's a throwing quarterback. He's not going to take the ball and run it. He's going to run a similar offense to what they had with Tom Brady that was so successful. I think that was promising. I think he had a pretty decent rookie year. It wasn't anything crazy, but it wasn't a complete letdown. So I think there's promise with him. I just think he's not tough enough. I think he came from Alabama where they were winning all the time. He had a crazy good O-line that was protecting him at all costs. They gave him the opportunity to make those big plays and his throwing quarterback. So, you know, good pocket awareness. He's got a strong arm, but he doesn't know what else to do when there's not the O-line protecting him. And the Patriots O-line is absolutely terrible right now. So I think he's kind of stuck and I think he's getting a little bit in his head. He's not, He's he's plateauing, I think, and I think they need. They took Cole Strange in the first round. They're they're working on it, but it's not going to be perfect, and he's not adapting well to that, to the lack of O line. And I think he's too one way, like stuck in the strictly a throwing quarterback aspect. And I think with Bailey Zappi, he's he's got a lot of talent on both ends. He's not great on either side, but he can do both. Which what. It did help us out. He won the two starts he had with us, which can't complain. You know, he had a good thing going. It was, it's always the backup. You're going to root for the backup when your starter goes down. I'll take Bailey Zappi or Brian Hoyer any day of the week. I think they're both promising, but I, I, I think with where the Patriots are at right now, Bailey Zappi should be the starter. And I think if it was Patriots three years ago, we should have had Mac Jones. Like he would fit better in that offense. And they're trying to fit, a square and a circle hole where he's not as able to do both. And that's where the Patriots are getting stuck right now because we don't have a great receiving core. We've got decent running backs and Mac Jones just kind of is working in his head still with the Alabama receivers, the Alabama running backs, that O-line where he has the time and the assets to make these big plays and do these things that he's used to doing. And he's not adapting well when he doesn't have that. So where do you see the Patriots' future? Because if you look at this AFC East, Dolphins with Tyree Kill and Tua, they don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. New York Jets, Zach Wilson, people don't like Zach Wilson because they think he's not as good. He They don't think he's that good of a quarterback because most of the one wins with the Jets came with Joe, uh, Joe Flacco at quarterback. The Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen aren't going to be slowing down anywhere, so kind of leaves the Patriots out of it what do you see the number number one where do you see the future of the Patriots and then two what do you see the future at the uh, quarterback position 
I, I hate to say it because I was so dead set in Mac Jones being like the new franchise quarterback. I don't think where the Patriots are at right now that he is. I think, you know, he'll stick around through his first round contract with the four or five years. He'll be there. I don't think we're going to be great unless we get one one really good receiver or more O-linemen to protect him. Then they can go back to that Tom Brady offense, one that was so successful, because that's what he can work with. I don't think he's adaptable enough. He's not like a Josh Allen where he can do either, you know? Mm-hmm. Not a Justin Fields that's going to be able to work with both sides of that offense, not so we're struggling. So I think the Patriots might be struggling a little bit in the next few years um, until we get some more assets to come in with the rest of it. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the future of the Patriots after you mentioned the quarterback situation? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty dependent on who they get. I think they have really strong coaching. Um, th- there's potential there. Like they're, they're pulling out some decent wins right now. They're not failing too hard. I think defense looks awesome. Um, so that's promising for us. I think once offense kind of figures it out, it's just going to take like, you know, a Justin Jefferson or a Saquon, like just one staple person to where we can start pulling it together right now. There's not much of a fire lit. So it's just kind of plateaued, like I said, but I think there's potential with the next year or two in the draft. If we get just that one guy, we can start working and kind of figure it out from there. But I think there's hope. It's not a lost cause. It's not a Houston Texans right now. So I'll take what we can get. I don't think the Patriots are ever going to be the worst in the league, but they've definitely fallen off from where they were, which how can you not, you know, you had like a all-time team with like Gronk, Edelman, Brady, like everyone. So the stakes were very high, but they're not, they're not done, I would say. Yeah, I think there's tons of teams with definitely a lot of opportunities, uh, especially with this NFL season definitely being a lot uh, stranger than many people expected. And uh, Molly, thank you for joining me on episode 20 of uh, Derek's Discussions. Do you have any last words for uh, listeners out there? Thank you for having me. This is awesome.